Hey, Fire fans and Major League Soccer fans, this is Nick with the Feed the Fire podcast hosted by Glasshouse Soccer. It's Friday morning. Tomorrow is match day for the Chicago Fire. They are down, taking on Inter-Miami, and I am just excited to be here talking with you. You can hear it in my voice if you're watching on YouTube. I got my glasses on. I haven't even woken up yet, had my coffee, but this is what got me up today talking Chicago Fire versus Inter-Miami with you. I'm I'm juiced. I'm excited. I might not even need my morning dose of caffeine after all the excitement I have getting ready for this match. Before we get into all the Fire news, Miami preview, and a few other games to watch from around the league, I just want to get take care of a quick little housekeeping here because, first of all, the podcast is trending upward. We are on podcasts uh, by Spotify, and we are, sl- are are not slowly, we are quickly trending upward with over 50 regular listeners now in just under a month's time. So thank you to our listeners. And if you're not listening on Spotify, please do so, follow along. But also you can get us wherever you get your podcasts. And we're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at Glasshouse Soccer. So thank you all for the support. And of course, we could have never hit these great early numbers without support from our sponsor, Skira Icelandic Spring Water, as well as the contributions from our special guest, John Donovan, who sent me in some notes for today's episode, and he'll be back with his regular segment next week as we review, hopefully, a Chicago Fire win against Inter-Miami. Now let's get into the preview. Let's talk fire. And the first thing we need to do when talking Chicago Fire is check on the injury report. So who is out for the fire in their matchup this weekend. Uh, no surprises here. Jordan Shakiri, Jairo Torres, and Federico Navarro. Now, Torres and Navarro went out early this season with hamstring injuries. And as you know, and as I've said, hamstring injuries are really tough because if you come back too soon and you re-aggravate it or you make things worse, then those are going to linger for weeks and months and really hamper a player's effectiveness throughout the course of the season. So the the club is taking their time with Torres and Navarro, especially a player in Torres who is a young DP who they really need to be 100% fit so he can do what they wanted from him, and that is play on the wing, take defenders one-on-one, create offense, and score some goals. And then also to probably sell him on to some big European club uh, for tens of millions of dollars after he starts dropping, you know, nine to 12 goals a season in MLS. But time's running out considering he has only played in, appeared in 15 matches for the Chicago Fire since coming over last May. Uh, I don't believe that counts any non, yeah, MLS matches only. I don't believe that counts any sort of appearances, uh, maybe in like a League's Cup or a U.S. Open Cup, but still. The MLS matches is where you make your money, and he has only appeared in 15 of them in about a year's time. Not exactly what we want from a designated player and someone who is expected to create offense. Uh, We'll talk about him a little bit more towards the end of the show. Fede Navarro, same thing. And we need to get him healthy because there's no depth in that central midfield, especially in that defensive midfield. With Navarro out, we are going to more more than likely see Gaston Jimenez and Mauricio Pineda as those defensive midfielders, um, as the eights 
as they say, uh, as the guys who are going to be kind of the first line of defense and the first line of offense when it comes to maybe hitting a long ball, sending Mueller up the wing or looking for Casper uh, Shabilko or Kai Kamara over the top. Now, we know they can hit those passes, but are they doing it regularly? And I don't think they're doing it enough because defensively, um, Jimenez more than Pineda gets pulled out of position or isn't quick enough to track back. Um, Jimenez does have a good habit of getting into passing lanes and blocking passes, um, but really turning over players, I don't believe that's something that he has been able to do one-on-one -on -one consistently and then look to hit those long balls on the counterattack. But that is something we can look at. Uh, we've seen Ezra Hendricks in these last couple of matches really try to clog the middle of the field defensively and against this inter miami team i don't know if they come out with the same formation inter miami likes to get on the wings uh they as much as they like to do that though they like to play direct to their strikers so we'll see if miami tries to cut out the fire defensive midfielders by playing up the wings or sending balls over the top just like we were talking about Pineda and jimenez trying to do uh shakiri is out this is kind of the big news, but also the expected news. Uh, he is out also with hamstring injuries, which makes you wonder, what is their training team doing? What is their uh, strength and conditioning coach? What, what are they doing? Is there something wrong with the pitch that they're practicing on? Or is this just a product of playing in Chicago in February and March, even though I think they were down in Mexico in February getting some of the sun? Maybe that's the problem. They did some preseason games in Mexico, and then they had to come back to Chicago to start playing, and everyone got tight. Regardless of that, Shakiri's out with a hamstring injury. Again, you don't want to make this worse by forcing him to play. And to be perfectly honest, away at Miami, probably not the best place to try and get grab three points, even though that should be the expectation. When we want – when the – the fire need to hold themselves to those standards. And even if they don't think they have the talent or they don't have the talent, let's be honest to compete at Miami for a win. Those are the standards we need to start instilling at least in, on the mental aspect of these players and build that winning culture, but they've come to accept mediocrity. So they're saying, okay, we don't need Shakiri uh, for this Miami game. No need to rush him back. We'll we'll save him for later on in the season. Well, later on in the season is going to come too quick, and they're going to be way behind and out of the playoff race. So early injuries to three starters, especially Jaredon Shakiri, who they need in the lineup to produce offensively, is going to be a huge blow uh, to their playoff changes, despite the expanded playoff format this season. Uh, last year, seven teams made the playoffs. This year, seven teams are making the playoffs, plus the eighth and ninth place finishers in each conference, go into a wild card game, and then they advance on to play the number one seed. So uh, I don't even know if the Fire are going to make that. I was hopeful they could sneak in as the eight or nine, uh, just given where they were last season. But with all these early injuries, with the fact that they don't seem to care, you know, that Shakiri doesn't seem to care so much, that they don't seem to be able to rely on him, uh, it's going to be a huge blow to that. Because when you're in the MLS, well, on top of all of that, when you're in the MLS and you're building a roster, you need your designated players to produce for you. You are spending the most money on them. You are typically starting them week in and week out unless you see some crazy circumstance like, say, oh, Gonzalo Higuain for Miami a couple of years back. But then Phil Neville got his head in the right spot. He was able to 
through some great coaching, get Iguain to become a phenomenal player for them last season. Uh, you need your DPs to be playing. And right now, two of those for the fire are not playing, and they don't even have a third DP on their roster. When's that striker? When's that number nine DP coming in? I don't know. Maybe when Kutsius finally comes in. Uh, the reason he hasn't been with the team, it's been reported there were some visa issues, but also now it's being reported that he's with Greece's U19 squad. But then when the Greece U19 roster came out, he wasn't even listed as a bench player. So remains to be determined what's going on with Kutsius. It's extremely frustrating. I'd love for someone uh, in the fire press pool or in the fire organization issue statement as to what's going on with him because uh, I just don't understand why you're why you've signed a player and you're paying him and he's not even in the country after a month of the season. Anyway, I've already expressed my frustration on that. So continuing on with the fire, let's think about their formation and some of the tactics. I've mentioned um, that they they've tried to clog the, the middle of the field defensively, but Ezra Henriksen came out and said we need to adjust our defense to our opposition. Okay. Fine. I just hope that when you get the ball and you transition to offense, that your players aren't stuck out of position because you're so worried about defending. And as we know, that has been kind of a calling card of the Chicago Fire team under Ezra Hendrickson is not conceding. And then you have a game like FC Cincinnati last week or that Columbus crew game where they give up three second half goals last season. But uh, to give credit where credit's due, those kind of seem to be the outliers. But the bigger issue are the late game collapses, giving up one goal in the last five minutes or stoppage time or giving up a couple goals in the second half uh, to blow a lead. But anyway, defense has been their strength if you want to call it a strength. Um, so we'll see how he adjusts to uh, Joseph Martinez and Rodolfo Pizarro and possibly Leo Campana if he's available for 90 minutes for Miami. We'll see how he adjusts his formation, if he continues to use a, a three-man back line, or if he goes back to his traditional 4-2-3-1. Uh, either way, I expect to see Shabilko up top. I had written him off in the preseason. I didn't think he had it with him, but kudos to him keeping his head in the game, keeping his confidence level up as all strikers need to, and he ends up with a beautiful goal last week against Cincinnati uh, to draw the fire level at that point, and he ends up getting that confidence, and I think he gets the vote of confidence from the coaching staff starting this game, uh, and then it's just a matter of does Kai Kamara come in at halftime? Does he come in in the 60th minute? Or maybe Ezra gets creative and has Kai playing on the wing. Who knows what he sees in this Miami defense. But again, I think we see Shabilko up top and then Kai Kamara with the substitution. Unfortunately, doesn't look like we're ever going to see Victor Bezerra. Uh, I think I, I don't know what's going on. If It doesn't seem like the coaching staff trust him. He's played very well for Fire 2 over the last season or two. He's been on the bench for the senior team a lot. And he's just not getting senior team minutes. So we'll, we will see if but something happens in this match where they call on Victor Pizarro. Again, in the preseason episode, I wrote off uh, Shabilko, but he seems to be getting back in a groove after last week. Also, I wrote off uh, Chris Mueller. I shouldn't say I wrote off Chris Mueller, but I was criticizing Mueller as going down too soft anytime he gets contact. Um, on the one hand, if you don't have a play on the ball, if you feel the contact go down, what's the worst? You lose the ball anyway, and maybe you get a foul call. But then, of course, last week, Shabilko scores, and 
Mueller draws a PK going down in the box. Um, so I don't know. Should I should I write off a player this week? Should, you know, I'm saying Bezerra's never going to get any minutes. Watch him come in and contribute to a goal late in the game. We'll see. Right? We can only hope for that. All right. A couple other things on the fire here. Outside backs are still an issue. And defensively, like I said, it is the strength of the fire, if you want to call something their strength. But they have been susceptible to counterattacks. The fire have given up those goals to Cincinnati, that goal to Philadelphia. It's been counterattacks, and they have not been able to get back into their defensive shape. It's those transition moments. Uh, even on offense, transitioning to offense, you've seen that when Shakiri or Gutierrez get the ball, they're looking for a quick pass downfield, and it's typically not there. Or Shakiri's playing balls into the channels, and, and the on-rushing wingers are not there. Uh, Gutierrez, though, and, and this was one of the notes that John Donovan gave us, Gutierrez, we like, I want to see him play centrally permanently for the fire, even when Shakiri comes back, because while Gutierrez might not be able to play those balls to the wingers if they're not making their runs or if the striker is out of position or not in a good spot to receive a pass, Gutierrez can dribble and take on guys one-on-one. -on -one. We haven't seen that from Shakiri as much with his time in the Chicago Fire. So I, I want to see Gutierrez playing centrally. He should be playing centrally for the Fire. He does it for the U.S. Youth National Team. He's probably going to the Under-20 World Cup and will be playing centrally. So hopefully uh, we see that from Gutierrez. Again, his creativity on the ball and his creativity passing are huge assets. And as you heard in last week's broadcast, he can cover a lot more ground than Jaredon Shakiri does, especially with those with the youth in his legs. But we're getting back to the defense here. Um, they've been susceptible to counterattacks. And Suquet, uh, as their new signing uh, coming over from France, uh, is also guilty of this. I'll give him a little slack because they have expected him to push forward and contribute to the offense. And if you're going to send your 34-year-old wingback upfield to try and help generate some offensive opportunities, you're going to have to live with him being out of position when the opposing team counterattacks and maybe not being able to make those, you know, 40, 50 yard recovery runs or, or getting back into position as quickly as he used to. Um, he has made some recovery tackles, but we saw last week in his substitution appearance, Jonathan Dean, who they signed in the offseason from Birmingham of USL, Birmingham Legion. Uh, he's a little better at making those there's long running, quick sprinting recovery runs, uh, but we'll see what his future is with the fire. He was only signed on a one-year deal with another uh, club option season. Uh, you will have noticed a lot of the fire, especially their defenders are on short-term contracts. Uh, so the fire, I guess, are still trying to figure out who they want to be playing. The only thing they know is that it's Chihos and Tehran or Chihos and Olmsberg. Hopefully Olmsberg can come back from injury just as strong, if not better, than when he finished last season. Um, the Fire have all these defenders on short-term deals. We touched on that. Uh, and I'm going to say, I forget how many more seasons Miguel Navarro has on his deal, uh, but we saw Kendall Burks come in. I would love to see Aceves either start this game or come in for Navarro, depending on... Uh, Hopefully, depending not depending that Navarro's got uh, sitting on a yellow card again, um, but there is absolutely pressure on Navarro to start performing better. Because Miguel Navarro to start performing better, especially with bringing in Aceves on loan. And if you're going to use an international roster spot on a loan player, uh, you you see something in him. All right, let's wrap up the fire here. One other statistic to know: if you like advanced statistics, the fire are last 
in Major League Soccer, not just your conference, but in the entire league, in key passes. Now, what's a key pass? A key pass is basically a pass that leads to a shot. It's like you're assisting a shot. Not necessarily one on goal, not one that goes in, uh, but it is a pass that leads to a shot. So they're, they're ball movement in the offensive third, they're passing, their creativity. If you want to look at it on a more general basis, the fire are not creating offense, right? That's one statistic that actually matches up with the eye pass uh, or the eye test. Now the fire have played one less game. So maybe they create seven or eight key passes in this game against Miami. I don't think it's going to happen away at Miami. Uh, and that'll maybe move them up the standings a little bit. But even if you break it down on average key passes per game, I still think they're bottom five. Uh, we won't, the fire have only played a handful of three games, right? Uh, the league is still young. The season is still young, um, but it's, it's not a good sign early on. One advantage for the fire in this match might be headers, aerial duels. Uh, the fire actually near the top of the league when it comes to headers, headers percentage and win and percentage of winning aerial duels. Uh, thank you, Rafa Chihos. Thank you, Carlos Tehran, for coming up the field on corner kicks and set pieces in an attacking area and being able to get your your big tall frames on these balls here, right? Uh, but it's tough to see your center backs being the ones that are creating your offenses on corner kicks. Yeah, um, Shabilko and Kai Kamara also are pretty good in the air. I, I think Kai more so, he might be the best attacking option, or I should say our best offensive player in the air. Uh, so hopefully he gets back on the pitch and can take advantage of the fact that Miami is towards the bottom of the league when it comes to winning challenges in the air. So hopefully that's one area the fire can look to exploit. And as we all know, when it comes to leveling the playing field and getting getting a groove, set pieces are going to be able to help you out uh, as a club. So let's take advantage of that Chicago fire. All right, let's real quickly look on the other side of the pitch, Inter Miami. They are coming in with two wins and two losses on the season. They have scored four goals. They have allowed three. Most recent result for them is a 2-0 loss to Toronto, which means they're going to be motivated against the Chicago Fire. They know the Fire aren't good. They know the Fire's defense is susceptible to counterattacks. Heck, if I'm talking about it, I'm sure their scouts and coaching staff are talking about it. And last week, Joseph Martinez and Rodolfo Pizarro missed a couple of really good opportunities to find the back of the net. So so they're going to be extra motivated to find some goals in this match. So we're going to have to watch out for them. Also, if you're the Miami coaching staff, you're looking at your schedule saying, okay, we're home against Chicago, then away to Cincy and at home to Dallas. So this game against the Fire is their best opportunity right now to earn three points. So they are going to be putting a lineup out, I think that suggests that. They're going to put their best players. They're going to go after it from the moment the first whistle sounds. The fire are going to be in for a battle here, everyone. Now, statistically, if we're looking at Miami, they're mid-table in the league when it comes to attacking and defending categories, right? But we know what they can be with Joseph Martinez, Pizarro, Campania, depending on how fit he is, and all the other host of players who can push forward and get into the attack. Some of the young midfielders that they've been building up, right? Last week, Cincinnati found their offense against Chicago. Even if it took them, 
89 minutes to do it. They found their offense. So let's hope Inter-Miami doesn't do the same. Uh, speaking of injuries, like I mentioned, Campana was hurt uh, about three weeks ago. Not sure if he's 100% fit. His initial injury had him listed week to week, so we'll see where he's at against the fire. Um, but even in bigger injury news for Miami, uh, their captain, Gregory, is out with a Liz Frank injury, a foot injury. Uh, so that is more of a long, longer-term injury for him. So Inter-Miami is going to have to make do without a playmaker. Uh, but I don't think it's going to slow them down. They are at home. They are hungry. Their strikers want the ball. And that atmosphere in Miami is going to really give them a boost. That was the other note that I got from John Donovan, that he was down in Miami for a game last season, and the fans are into it. They are jumping. They are chanting. They are playing music. It is a party in the stands. I might have to get down there myself one of these days. Maybe we'll save it for a fall match. Get get away from this, some of the Chicago weather and go take it in an inter-Miami game. One other st- historical statistic before we get into my predictions The home team has never lost in this rivalry here with Chicago and Miami playing each other again. Miami only being in the season, uh, only being in the league a few seasons, but still the home team has never lost. So something to keep in mind. And I think that is being reflected in the odds as well. Because if you look at the bet MGM odds from this morning, this Friday, the 24th morning, Miami's at plus 100. The draw is at plus 240, and the fire are at plus 260. Not a good sign for the Chicago fire. Now, we saw what happened last week with Cincinnati. Uh, The Cincinnati were, you know, the fire were favorites at home, and they end up with a 3-3 draw, Uh, and I think it even hit the over, way over on goal scored. So, you know, these MLS odds makers are still catching up to the league a little bit, but in this case, I think they got it right, considering the home field, considering... Uh, the Fire's offensive struggles. And I say that, and I know they came off a three-goal performance last week, but let's take a look. One of those was a, a, a superb goal by Shabilko, who has not been able to do that of late. One of them was a penalty kick that Chihos did not strike well. Uh, Celentano, I think, got a toe on it. Don't know why your center back has taken penalty kicks. And then the third one uh, was probably their best goal of the season so far taking advantage of some lazy Cincinnati passing in the first minute of the second half, and Mueller rockets at home. So I'm still not sold on the fire offense yet. They haven't been able to do it consistently since uh, Ezra Henderson and these players came into the fold. So that being said, I am not looking forward to this match from a scoreline perspective. I'm going to give Miami the edge 3-1. to That was my prediction last week for Cincinnati. So maybe the fire do walk away with a point and I'll, I'll keep that, that point train rolling for the fire. But I, I just think with the fire's offensive struggles, the late game collapses they've had and a hungry Miami offense. Uh, also, I'll give the coaching edge to Phil Neville. I think they come away 3-1 here. Uh, again, just to touch on some fire fire news, we mentioned Jairo Torres is out with a hamstring injury. He's still, um, and last season he came into the squad from Atlas in Mexico with a hip injury and then had re-aggravated something towards the end of the season. There is talk on social media on the fire Twitter feeds here that uh, is he a bust? Is Jairo Torres a bust? At this point, I'd be hard pressed to argue against against it. He's definitely not a success. Again, he's only appeared in 15 games in almost a year's time. 
but he's taking up a young DP roster spot. Like that's got to count for something. When you look at whether or not someone has met expectations or is performing to their level, you do have to factor in the money paid and the hype that he was brought in, right? He is a young designated player. He's taking up a really important roster spot for this fire team and is just not contributing. Yeah, it's due to injury, which then begs the question, what were the fire doing scouting him and working with Atlas? Maybe they got fleeced a little bit. Um, But if he's not healthy by the summer, then I will say, yeah, this is a bust signing. The fire are not going to get their money back for him. Uh, But I'm not going to say it yet, though he's certainly trending in that direction. All right, before we wrap up from around the league, what are a few matches that I'm going to keep my eye on? Well, first of all, I'm going to keep my eye on that D.C. match. They're hosting New England Revolution. Uh, we'll see if D.C. can integrate some of their uh, international signings. Uh, we'll see how Rain, Wayne Rooney does in coaching. We'll see if New England can continue uh, a winning trend. But also, I'm going to watch that game because the Fire are hosting D.C. on April 1st, and we'll get a little advanced scouting report uh, on the team from the nation's capital. A couple other games to watch still in the Eastern Conference Philadelphia versus Orlando. I really want to take a look at this game for two reasons. These are both teams who have trophy aspirations this season. Orlando coming off a U.S. Open Cup victory last season and Philadelphia coming over uh, second place finishes in MLS Cup and the Supporters Shield. Uh, So close to everything last year, Philly. Uh, But also the question is being asked is, is Philadelphia still the best team in the league? Uh, They are... Not playing like it right now, especially after that loss to Montreal last week. They blew the lead like the fire blew the lead, right? Like they ended up dropping two goals late, losing at uh, at Montreal, not even at Montreal's home stadium. They're playing in the Olympic Stadium. Um, and But again, for Philly, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? So I'm sure they're going to be in the mix of it, top four by the end of the season. But right now... They're certainly not playing like it. So maybe this is a a week to see if they can kind of get back to how they're typically playing. And the Western Conference, I'm actually looking at Portland versus the LA Galaxy. It opens the weekend. Apple has done a great job of scheduling some exciting matches to open uh, the weekend, uh, at least with some good teams, right? I think we had Seattle LAFC for one of them. So they know how they're scheduling. Uh, But Portland is struggling. They're their international signing, big striker signing, Evander is still getting integrated. Uh, Blanco, I don't even know what's going on with him. Um, hey, Rocky, if you're listening, our, our our good friend of the show, talking to Woods, Rocky, um, let me know what's going on with Portland, man. Message me either on Twitter at GlassHouseSoccer or email me, GlassHouseSoccer at gmail.com. Um, but also, we want to see what's going on with the Galaxy. They had really big aspirations this season to get back, not just into uh a playoff contention, but getting back to like top three in the Western conference. And they have also been struggling defensively and offensively. Um, so I think this, this match, two struggling teams who had a lot of promise and expectations coming into the season. If one of them can get a result, it really could send them on the right way. And with that, I'm going to thank everyone for listening again, find us on Spotify podcasts, follow the show, You can find us wherever else you get your podcasts, uh, Google, Stitcher, Apple, of course. And we're also on YouTube at Glasshouse Soccer. Uh, We have some MLS trivia videos up there. I'll be trying to expand that library a little bit more since I've been focusing on this podcast. But I appreciate you liking, subscribing, rating us, leaving a review uh, on Apple or on Anchor. 
And thank you all again. Let's go fire. Even though I picked against you, I still want you to win. I thank you all for listening and viewing. Enjoy the match. Hey, Fire fans, this is Nick from Glasshouse Soccer's Feed the Fire podcast, reminding you that if you want to quench your thirst, reach for a bottle of Skira Icelandic Spring Water available at your local 7-Eleven. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best. Make sure you grab your bottle at your local 7-Eleven.